0: following Jesus, we're looking at this series of what it is to follow Jesus, and this morning we're looking at three topics, worship, fellowship, and mission, particularly with respect to the church, and what our role as a church church is, what is church for? The church didn't come out of the blue. Whenever Jesus came, whenever he commissioned the disciples, whenever Pentecost uh, made the church burst onto the the stage in Jerusalem with the gifts of the Spirit, the church is God's people right through the Old Testament as well as into the New. In Deuteronomy 4.10, the Lord said to Moses, gather the people to me so that I may let them hear my words. And that word gather, as Wayne Gruden points out, in the Hebrew Old Testament, when it was translated into Greek later on, the Greek word for gather in Deuteronomy is the same word for church, ecclesia, that is used in the New Testament. So the concept of church is clearly throughout the whole of the Bible. A gathered people... God brings people God draws people to himself Stephen spoken about the church when referring to the Israelites in Acts 7.38 and as God's people were gathered together to worship him for a purpose to worship God especially Jesus who is a visible image of the invisible God as we read in Colossians 1.5 the church is God's people. The universal church is God's people, or the invisible church is God's people, even if you can't see them coming to church. The universal church is God's people through Old Testament, and New Testament, all through time, not just what we can see here and now. We are a community of people who worship, who fellowship with each other and who serve God. <clears throat> We're the body of Christ. We are united to him as a bride would be to a husband. We should be be besotted with him, devoted to him. In the same way that uh, two lovers in the Song of Solomon are devoted to each other. And we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul and strength. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your might. The beginning of the prayer of the Shema that Jews would pray every day. The Reformers taught that our purpose in life individually is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And together as his people we have to glorify him and enjoy him forever. We have the privilege of glorifying him and enjoying Him, being blessed by Him. We're created to love God and to love our neighbour, to worship Him and minister and serve Him in different ways. So, we've got three activities. We ought to worship, we ought to fellowship, and we ought to do mission. I'm referring here to worship in the sense of direct worship of God, everything we do ought to be worship and it is worship when we're doing it for him but there's a sense in which as a church one of our roles is to worship God together that's what we're doing this morning worshipping him we have worship services prayer meetings and so on but I was listening to a podcast this week and a. An older pastor, who's quite well known, Sam Storms, he was reflecting on his um, earlier ministry. And the order in which he put these three things was, he says, first there was worship of Jesus. That's really important. You can't put anything else before that. Then mission to the world. We have a great message. We need to share this with people. Yeah, and then we have community. We have fellowship as well. But he said the more he has gotten to know what worship is and who we are and what God requires of us he switched the order of the last two and he saw that worship is still first but what we do as a community and serving each other and worshipping together is second. A head of mission to the world As we are coming back into the building, the whole concept of community, of fellowship together is so important. We're able to to share fellowship in a way which we haven't been able to as much over the last couple of years. Wayne Grudem takes the same list and comes up using different words with the same order. Ministry to God, he puts it, ministry to believers, a ministry to the world. Ministry to believers is maybe a restricted way of saying what the church does. Because there's a sense in which fellowship together is more than just to believers, but is also towards God. But that order of worship, fellowship and mission we don't just worship God at home. We worship him together. But yet for some people, there's things that we grow up out of. You know, if there's any children here, close your ears for a minute. Santa. Um, there's things that people do when they're children. They're dragged to church. And then when, when they're older, they think, right, I don't have to do that anymore. God, that was just for when I was a child. And today too many adults are taking a similar attitude to church and even their faith, but many are doing it to church and trying to keep a faith that doesn't need church, that doesn't need religion. Man-made religion is bad, but God's religion is good. They're being self-sufficient, standing on their own, rejecting the old ways of centuries of how we live as believers, worshipping as community. Of course, some people can't make it to church because of health reasons or situations, for example, sh- shift work or being ill. But a lot of people today are deconstructing what they had been brought up with, grown up with, or even believed in the past. <clears throat> they think they're enlightened by tearing apart what they believed when they were younger. They believe that it's helpful to take apart our faith, examine it and then put it back together again and see what, well, surely we'll we'll end up with something better. In the process we can take out, we can leave out the bits that are superfluous. But anybody who's taken apart a car engine, disassembled a car engine and then trying to put it back together again, and then wonder, well, this part doesn't look as it does anything, that goes in the bin. This part, can't see where that goes, put it in the bin. You put it back together and you wonder why it doesn't work. So too, a lot of people when they're examining their faith, they they take a critical attitude to what people have done for centuries and think, we don't need that, we can do without that. They believe they know better than Christians in the past, than the combined wisdom of centuries, better than God's word. This is a matter which has been—it's—it's it's been brewing. It's—it's—you've probably read about it if you're keeping up with evangelical um, blogs for some years now, quite a number of years. And just this week, Christianity Today, which has many wonderful articles. The, the online magazine the the print magazine this week I had an article on well it isn't a liberal evangelical magazine, it's not a conservative so some things it'll go a bit out there on it had an article saying it's ok to do deconstruction of your faith as long as you don't go too far as long as you put it back together again the right way but then the Gospel Coalition responded a couple of days later and says it's dangerous to go down that road because you're not likely to be able to put it back together again. And even if you do, sometimes the emotions, sometimes your trust, has evaporated in the process. Listen, if anyone wants to try and tear apart their faith and see what they want to keep at the end of it, we have to be we have to be careful. The heart is deceitful. And the devil is a master of lies, and sometimes we think we're doing something good, and we're actually following a sinful motivation in our hearts. We're following a, a del- we're deluded, following the lies of those who are leading us astray. Alicia Childers wrote in this Gospel Coalition article, in the context of faith. Deconstruction is a process of systematically dissecting and often rejecting the beliefs you grew up with. Sometimes a Christian will deconstruct all the way into atheism. Some remain there, but others experience a reconstruction. But the type of faith they end up embracing almost never resembles the Christianity they formerly knew. Instead, even when we don't maybe... Understand why we're doing certain things that the church has always done. Let's not throw the baby out of the bathwater. Let's not stop doing things that are good tradition, uh, that have been so helpful in the past. Very often it's when we keep on doing them, we find out later how much they helped us, how much they were necessary. Let's respect the wisdom handed down through centuries. There's even a commandment that tells us we all should worship the Lord once a week. There isn't a commandment that tells us we have to go to Bible study once a week or a prayer meeting, but prayer meetings are good. Even the, the early church, when they were struggling, they were having prayer meetings. We've got the, the the tradition that tells us it was when they were in the upper room that the Lord came, the Holy Spirit came down, and they were blessed. Every revival that anybody has ever documented has started with a prayer meeting of one or two or few or a whole church full of people prayer is so necessary in the past we may have taken for granted some of the things that we have missed during the pandemic even just chatting over tea and coffee after some months you realise we haven't been able to share. We've we've drifted apart from people. Sometimes we've missed being encouraged by them. Sometimes they have missed us getting them back on track when they're thinking it started and go a wee bit off track. We need each other and we don't realise how much these little conversations are actually part of how the Lord cares for us. we realise we need these things more we cherish them we we see the value in them more now but thank God we're back in the room we're back to some kind of normality we still have to take precautions uh, but let's share let's enjoy sharing fellowship together The problems that often happen, that often arise don't become apparent immediately if people aren't connected as much as they can in their circumstances to church. They seem to be able to keep going for a while without church, without others, but that doesn't last long. Did you know if, if a 747 right up in the in the air at 33,000 feet. If all four engines fail, that airplane can keep on going for 150 kilometers before it hits the ground. And so too, many people, when the engine of their spirituality, whether it's personal or church life or both, dies for a while or just is is put on the back burner, people can keep on going for a while before they crash. There was an Airbus 330, had to glide over 100 kilometres when it, because of a leak, it prematurely ran out of fuel. But it, it did another 100 kilometres and it was able to land safely. But eventually we hit the ground. It might be a soft landing or it might be a crash landing. But we need to get back in the air again and soar with wings like eagles, with the Lord's strength. And we need to put in... Daily devotions, we need to worship, we need to be encouraged by others. God has provided the means of grace, as they're often called personal devotions, reading the Bible, praying, meditating on His Word, fellowship with others individually, fellowship together as church, worship together as church. These are all ways in which God blesses us by His grace. And when we're working together God is glorified We are encouraged Others are helped and supported And we are able to minister to a needy world We become healthy, spiritually healthy With restrictions not being in place now Let's get back into top gear again We've had to be in Well some cars have a limp mode That will get you home if there's a fault But you get home slow You get to a garage maybe But when the car is fixed, you can go right into top gear again. Let's get into top gear as a church. These three things. Let's worship God first. Some people say the church is the only organisation in the world that is there for the the benefit of non-members. But they're missing the point that the first role of the church is to worship God. The church is not simply an organisation which is there to take the gospel to those who are outside the church to benefit non members. The church's primary role, as us as individuals too, is to worship God. So when we come to worship services, it's not a distraction from ministry. It's our primary role as church to worship God. One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replies, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength and all your mind. And love your neighbour as yourself. Worship, serving God, loving God, he comes first. Worship comes first. We're told to take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Shout with joy to the Lord. All the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that he is, that the Lord is God, he made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, go into his courts with praise, give him thanks, give thanks to him and praise him. For the Lord is good, his unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. Where first and foremost to worship God? John Piper quotes very often from C.S. Lewis about people being created to praise God, and you can see it. Everywhere you go, people are created to praise, but they're not often praising God. The quote from C.S. Lewis is that, The most obvious fact about praise, whether of God or anything else, strangely escaped me, he writes. I thought of it in terms of compliment, approval, or the giving of honour. I had never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously flows, overflows into praise, unless or sometimes even if, shyness or the fear of boring others is deliberately brought in to check it. The world rings with praise. Lovers praising their mistresses. Husbands praising their wives, and wives are husbands. He should have added. Readers, their favourite poet. Walkers praising the countryside. Players praising their favourite game. Or you could add football team. Praise of the weather, food, actors, cars, horses all kinds of other things I had not noticed how the humblest and at the same time the most balanced and capacious minds praised most while the cranks, the misfits and the malcontents praised least I had not noticed either that just as men spontaneously praise whatever they value so they spontaneously urge us to join with them in praising it isn't she lovely? Wasn't it glorious? Isn't that magnificent? And yet the Psalms tell us, tell everyone to praise God. My whole, more general difficulty about the praise of God depended on my absurdity, me absurdly denying to us as regards the supremely valuable, what we delight to do, what indeed we can't help doing about everything else we value. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. The delight is incomplete till it is expressed. People are praising all kinds of things and we ought to be praising God is the point of what C.S. Lewis is saying. We ought to praise him as his people. Second, we ought to fellowship together. When it comes to deciding whether fellowship is more important than mission, I think many people select mission over fellowship. After all, mission saves people from eternity and hell by sharing the gospel with them. And fellowship, we will enjoy fellowship with God forever, in eternity. But we can only do mission now. But on reflection, I think that while mission is more urgent the opportunity and responsibility of the church to worship God together, to fellowship together is more important. The reason is not because of how we feel about it or how we think about it but because of who it is that we are worshipping who it is that we are coming together in the name of who it is who's is amongst us when we are together worship of god living together as community of god's people encouraging and supporting each other we're not just a group of people coming together with a common interest we are coming together in the name of god almighty the one who is holy 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 we are coming together in the name of the creator of the universe the judge of all people in Isaiah 6 even some of the angels hide their eyes before God and yet we can come confidently into his presence as his people we're not just at the edges of the temple like the Gentiles were not allowed into the inner parts of the temple we're not seeing God from a distance God is amongst us we can come into his presence in such a way that when we come together as Jesus says where two or three are gathered in my name there I am among them when we have fellowship together the creator of the world God who is holy, holy, holy is amongst us Fellowship is far greater than we can really understand. Fellowship together in Christ's name is such a powerful thing. Fellowship has an importance which we often don't see. A significance which we often don't see when we look at each other and just see the usual faces. But For each person who is a believer, when we do it to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you've done it to me, Jesus said. When we're fellowshipping together, we're fellowshipping with Jesus. So fellowship has an importance, a significance that is far greater than ministry. Ministry is urgent and we ought to be about sharing the gospel with other people. But often the urgent can take priority over the important. Fellowship together is so important. Let's do both. But let's remember how we are so privileged to be able to come into his presence. Third, mission. In elevating the importance of fellowship, of community together. I'm not trying to downgrade the importance of mission. It is still as important as it ever was. But fellowship is is even higher. Evangelism is still our role. Mission to the world is still our role. We still have to share the gospel with others, encourage others, witness to others, evangelize others, do mercy ministries to others. We still have mission in all its variety to the world to do and that is so important too and yet it is urgent the time is coming when people won't have an opportunity to hear the gospel mission is important and urgent but yet not quite as important as the significance of fellowshipping together Jesus at the end of Matthew's Gospel said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. And he goes on to say, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus didn't give us a command just to do evangelism. He gave us a command to make disciples disciples who live a life of serving God in all the ways that that we serve God this is a call to a holistic view of reaching people for the Lord we reach people not simply to get them out of hell into heaven we reach people to get them into a relationship with God a worshipful relationship a relationship with church, with God's people the community of God's people And we implore people, as Paul says, we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For God made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. How can people believe if they haven't heard, Paul says in Romans 10? How can they... Here, if somebody doesn't share the gospel with them, we have a responsibility and an opportunity. Let's encourage each other to do so individually and together as church. But also, we need to care for others, we need to do good works. This is often the Cinderella of evangelical churches. We are justified by faith, not of works. And some people, many people think, well, works aren't that important it's faith in contrast to works works that's what liberals do but Paul tells Titus he tells Timothy he says in many places devote yourselves to good works God has called us to good works Ephesians 2.10 mercy ministries witnessing caring for others These are what we are called to do. We are called to worship God. We are called to fellowship together. And we are called to minister to the world. Let's encourage each other to do all these things. Worship is so important. Fellowship is a deeper connection with God through connecting with each other than we often realise. It is so important, such a privilege. When we are together, we're in a sense living in heaven on earth. Might not look like it at times, but Jesus is among us. Jesus is in us. When we're talking to somebody else, I think, well, that's Jesus is in them. I might not want to treat them very well, but I ought to treat Jesus very well. So let's treat them as if we're treating Jesus. Let's reset our compass to worship God, to enjoy fellowship together, and to be active in ministry in the world. Sometimes we need to reset our compass. In a more technological world, there's a woman who called Nancy Cheatham. She writes that her sister bought a new car, loaded with high-tech equipment, and the first time she drove the car in the rain, she turned a knob she thought would start the windscreen wipers. Instead, she didn't know what she had done, but a message came up, drive the car around in a circle of 360 degrees. She had no idea what it meant, but when she got home she read the manual, and she learned that what she had actually done was she turned off the internal compass within the car so her sat-nav wouldn't really work very well. To correct the problem, the, the compass had to be recalibrated. She had to drive the car in a circle and then point it north. And each time we are worshipping, we are resetting our internal compass. We're establishing our true north. We're remembering who God is and what his truth proclaims and who we are and what we ought to be doing to enjoy God and glorify him forever as we are able to meet together without restrictions again let's worship, let's fellowship, let's do mission let's spur one another on to love and good works in the Lord all to God's glory let's pray Lord we thank you That you have come into our world so that we can enter into your world you have taken us, you have given us your spirit so that we can have the spirit of the living God within us Lord what a privilege we thank you that when we fellowship together Lord we are a people, a special people where you almighty God dwell amongst us are there in the midst of us Lord we thank you for such great salvation we thank you for your love for us we thank you for the cross where our sins are forgiven we thank you for the Holy Spirit Lord that spirit of holiness where we can begin to walk as we ought to before you we thank you for the gifts of the spirit where we can minister to people in ways which we don't have strength ourselves but we can do in the power of the spirit and we thank you Lord for your love for us we thank you for the many ways you've been gracious to us and merciful to us. Help us, Lord, to enjoy who we are, who we worship, and all that we can do for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.